Oh, that's how she was dealing with it at the time. Yeah, but then it doesn't it matter. Right. It doesn't matter at all. And I think she does it before even the Walter <laughs> thing is a thing. She just shoplifts, and then they say, hey, this storyline blows, and then they forget it. Yeah. <laughs> that's um, that's like the real world. Sometimes people shoplift a little bit for a little while, and then they stop. That is realistic. And there's no closure. There's no closure because that's life. Well, then no good. Closure. I hope in the real world, Drew will stop doing a thing where he sits around <laughs> by himself and critiques his own jokes. I hope that it's a very similar situation where he won't do it and it just gets forgotten like in real life, like in Breaking Bad. Similarly due to the low ratings. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Demonstrate the Loop, where a Magic the Gathering podcast doing everything from uh, deck text discussions and set dice sections. And today's episode is another one in our November Mm. uh, 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 Be Kind, Be Giving, Let's All Come Together, but not in a physical space, because there's still things going Mm. on series, uh, except for Mm. last week's, where we just did a set review Mm. straight up. And that's going to have to be okay, because that's in the past now. And this is the future, because technically we're recording this uh, in the present, and then it will come out later. So, future us, Hmm. what's the episode about? (laughs) This episode is primarily focused around the power level discussion. So, like Daniel said, uh, for the month of November, um, we're trying to do a series of episodes that are um, in an umbrella term about bringing more players to the table. We're trying to kind of go through the introduction to the format, not the game, but the format for people who may have you know drafted a couple times played magic with a friend of theirs and have heard about commander or you know playing standard have heard about commander and are interested in coming over kind of going through um past in the series we have gone over just literally how to build a deck we each went over kind of uh, specific decks that we personally have and what methods we use to either build from the commander down or we had a deck idea and then how we found the commander after um our previous episode in this series we also went over how to get and give um deck advice deck tech advice deck help for like if you have a deck and it's not quite working for what you want to do or you have a list of a hundred cards but you're not quite sure if what you built was good we kind of went over both for new players how to um fish for that advice a bit more effectively and also for more enfranchised players how to be better about giving that advice, how to be a good face for the format and how to make sure that you're giving relevant advice and not just telling people to go to EDH rec and not use any kind of creativity (laughs) in their deck listing. Um, Mm -hmm. And so today the next place, once you've got your deck built from the first episode and you've gotten some feedback on it, you probably want to play a commander deck. And what you may find that's unique to, I think commander tables, you don't really see this at standard events is people will I wish to a game they'll, <laughs> I would love if we get to the we get the top eight of a of a of like a Grand Prix or what do they call the mythic championship now mm-hmm. and it's just like hey I'm playing like a seven what are you playing a a ten I'm playing a ten ah can you like use the sevens that way we can both have a good time well you know they what's don't do cool that you know what's cool about standard though is that they technically do it because after mm-hmm. after the top mm-hmm. eight is done number one yeah. is literally eight Number two is seven, <laughs> and then you go down like that. And that's it, kind it of a cool like thing that. Standard gets to do, is just it's that, right hey, man, crust. here's an actual statistical thing you can look at from a tournament. Mm-hmm. So whatever. Um, but no, Command mm-hmm. doesn't so I think, get that. And Standard shouldn't have it, but it's funny that it does on accident. 
Yeah, it, it has a retroactive Nuts. kind of scale of 1 to 10 conversation. Um, I think to kind of start the conversation off, we do need to, to kind of define that term. Um, and I'm going to make Josh do it because I think Josh, on average, talks the least in these episodes. So I'm going to make him do this part. Uh, okay, Josh, okay. If you, in your own words, how would you describe like the power level conversation, both why it happens, what it is, and kind of its implications? Well, I mean, there's a lot of different things that can go into determining a power level of a deck. Um, the certain commanders, of course, kind of lend themselves to, uh, being mm-hmm. a stronger deck just by virtue of how the commander works. Now, obviously you could have a very strong commander built into a deck that does not at all, um, uh, <laughs> actually work towards that being a good commander, but that's still, mm-hmm. there's the general, uh, idea of someone brings a, Urza as their commander deck, that's that is a strong deck because Urza is the commander. Other things that can go into it being a strong deck are uh various other cards you run in the 99. Uh whether they be mm-hmm. strong cards um that are probably old and very pricey that someone might have, um, or just not necessarily pricey or old cards, but just cards that are very strong in the format. Those are all things that can go towards a deck being relatively stronger, relatively weaker, and especially given that Commander is so widely casually played, there can be a wide range of deck strengths in terms of that, based on someone's knowledge of what to put in a deck or their budget. Now, now why do you think this happens? Because I think uh, the power level discussion is unique to commander like i mean we joked a bit at the start but like the power level conversation does not happen at standard tables does not Mm. happen at modern or like any other format Mm. somebody might play i i would argue it doesn't even happen at kitchen tables like uh, people who play Uh, uh, like 100 percent pure yeah we never we never had that conversation not really and so and so why do you think um why why would you say that the power level discussion happens in commander well a, it being a casual format in general, unless you're talking about like mm-hmm. CEDH, actual competitive uh, EDH, it's sure. casual so that you, you're you actually ideally wanting to have fun, everyone have fun, uh, so you wouldn't want to blow out someone's poor deck and them, them have a bad time in the casual fun setting. In addition to that, uh, Commander, you start with a higher life total, larger decks, the games tend to run significantly longer than a, um, you know... Uh, standard game a 60 card casual game uh and Mm -hmm. so there that also means that if someone's weaker deck gets blown out early that's a lot more time where they're just sitting there kind of stewing on wow i'm not getting to play this game i came here to play Mm -hmm. and And so i I think yeah that makes it important that um Mm -hmm. there's a general understanding of power level and that, that I think is, and I kind of want to open this part of it up, but like that I think is kind of the key part there, right? Because in, um, in, in commander in a general sense, like there's a time investment in a game of commander. And I mean, there's corner cases, you know, like, um, obviously with, mm-hmm. uh, COVID and stuff, we don't have command fests. We don't have, you know, uh, conventions or anything like that where people are playing. And unless mm-hmm. you're, unless you're in a good place that is following rules you shouldn't even be doing this at an LGS or anything like that. But yeah. like it's, it's in the, in a commander at a commander table. I think it's generally um, the case where 
even if you're knocked out early, I think I'm going down a road that I don't want to prove that I don't feel like proving a point on. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, Commander is a time investment in addition to like having gameplay and fun and stuff like that, yep. where where people at the table are um, in a similar method to a board game. Like if you were to be hanging out with your friends and playing, you know, Dominion or uh, Catan or anything else where mm-hmm. everyone's going to be um, where like in those games where those are casual, obviously you're not playing Catan for money unless you've got like a really Ooh. weird friend group oh. that I'm not. <laughs> and then like I do want to meet out of curiosity, but yeah. I don't want to like know in real life. Um, <laughs> but like it's, the game, the game and those other things where you're playing a game kind of casually with friends, there's no like stakes or, or anything like that. Those games end for everybody at the same time commander mm, yeah. by comparison does not end for each player <laughs> at the same time you can be right. limited from a game of commander earlier and the power level discussion kind of enters into that so that would, would you say uh, uh daniel or josh would you say that that is so that more games like can end for everybody closer to the same time or is that just like a we don't like playing against these types of strategies in Commander. We want to have that discussion beforehand. I would think it would be, yeah, ideally people mm-hmm. ending around the same time. I have, um, it's, kind of think? it's interesting. Though. I've, I've never once mm-hmm. thought about that, uh, at all <laughs> in Commander. Cause. Oh, it's, and I don't know, maybe, maybe I should have, at least never in regards to like power level, but it's just like, you know, if somebody's got like a combat focused deck and they have to attack yeah. one person and they die and then someone board wipes mm-hmm. and they can't kill anyone else. It's like, I don't ever look at that as like a power level thing. I just like, Oh, well that's very unfortunate. That's an unfortunate yeah. thing, but I don't yeah, think that's yeah. power level. I think that that's just man bummer that they got killed, mm-hmm. but I don't mind. And I don't mind if I'm the first player that gets killed either. If I get killed and mm-hmm. I'm hanging out, then, you know, kind of gear shift into spectator mode. Yeah. I, I just, well, like, and yeah. that's actually a thing that I really like about, like if you're in a game mm-hmm. store or something, which you shouldn't be, but if you are, let's imagine you're in a world <laughs> where you are. Typically there's other mm-hmm. pods. If you get eliminated early, you have the option to just walk over to another group and be like, Hey, my, I got eliminated fast. Can I join this game? Mm-hmm. And usually yeah. that's not a problem. And then when you're online, if you get eliminated early, guess what? Just click on that plus <laughs> right, symbol, open up a new tab, and just like hang out. <laughs> like it's not, mm-hmm. yeah. it's not that bad. Like I never have thought about speed well, of which mm-hmm. all players are eliminated at the same time is yeah, kind of like yeah. a power yeah. level thing. Well, and I think mm-hmm. I think there's a, a definite distinction between like uh yeah, just in general game variants, things can go in weird ways to where someone just happens to get knocked out really early um just by how things went randomly that that Mm -hmm. is going to happen no matter what even if you're doing decks that by some order of math are literally identical in power i don't know how you determine Mm -hmm. that but you know what i mean but there's definitely a difference between that happening by random chance versus this person comes into a game their deck isn't strong and so they can't they can't manage to gain any ground over anyone anything yeah. like big in the game they try to do gets shut down because everyone decks everyone else's deck can shut them down and then they lose early that's a different feel than just 
Oh, yeah, all right. The board wipes happened, and then someone got in at me. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, well, there's I, a definite difference. That's, that's, I'll say that's things. a gameplay thing. If 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 you're yeah. like if you have one deck that's kind of getting squatted on by like three other decks, mm-hmm. that's like obviously the worst at the table, and the three other people yep. at the table are just like, hey, you know, it'd be funny if we with our mm-hmm. strong decks just <laughs> killed the player with the worst deck. You know, that's, worst, just, yes. that's a that's not a power level thing. That's just that's just that's just a jerk kind of deal. I don't yeah, consider I do that agree. power level yes. either. Because that seems like that's bad threat assessment. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like <laughs> unless there's like a grip <laughs> of chaos on the field and no one has a choice but to accidentally focus the worst player just for <laughs> yeah. no, like, because they have to, then like, don't, don't do it that. Could be. Right? Just don't it do that. Be. And so I think there's, um the, the reason I actually brought that that up and I kind of like where the conversation has gone is because I think the the power level discussion is talked about, you know, that's that's rule zero in uh, Commander. So for people who mm-hmm. may be very new to the format, um, Commander's rules are defined by the Rules Committee, which are a group of, I think, four or five people who invented the format, are still very involved in it, and set the rules, the ban list, and things like that. Um, a common term that you'll hear in Commander Circles is the concept of rule zero and rule zero is this um commander being a casual format there is like there's some agreement that everybody who plays commander agrees to abide by these arbitrary rules that are set by like four or five random people mm-hmm. but the rule zero that those four or five random people have included is basically like a get out of jail free card to ignore any parts of the format that you want to in your individual game, right? Because there's never any stakes in the format. There's never anything really on the line other than people's fun and time that they've Mm -hmm. invested in like that game or in building their decks or whatever. And the rule zero conversation is also this power level conversation. It's every, it's what they assist that uh, before, like, you know, commander and color identity and all that enters in, everyone needs to agree to the type of game, the type of play experience that they want to have. I used earlier, I referenced like uh, board games as an analogy, because I think they're in a similar space. Um, But like it's whenever, whenever I sit down to like a, game of Catan, I am going like the type of play experience that I want to have is I want to grief this whole table and I want to sell sheep <laughs> at five to one for one and I'm going to corner the market. That's the type mm. of play experience that I'm entering into and I have that conversation with my play group for Catan. If, I, like, if I'm playing Monopoly, I'm like, we're all going to just waste like three hours of our day and not finish this game. Hell In yeah. Commander, I think there are two different rule zero power level discussions. I think there is one that you would have with a common or a regular play group. These are friends that may meet outside of an LGS. These are people that you know personally, maybe prior to playing magic even or after playing magic for a substantial amount of time, you kind of have formed like a, we won't even spend the time to go to the LGS. We want to play on a Tuesday night. We're just going to hang out on a Tuesday night. We're going to play magic versus the type of power level discussion you do have like daniel mentioned with those kind of randoms or people you're meeting for the first time or maybe are casual acquaintances with at a local game store at a convention again whenever it's not the hell world outside (laughs) um (laughs) and i I think it's kind of worth i think it's kind of worthwhile to kind of have those two separate discussions there because like it's i think i think fundamentally 
um and that like whether or not uh whether y'all agree um is would like i feel like the 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 power level discussion i think is completely different if it's people who are a regular play group these are like you play with these other three people every week or these other whatever number oh yeah versus you're meeting people i can say i would think i can say this because as you know as we said before our play group we never discussed power level we we never ever Mm -hmm. like i had you know i had a deck that was um what was it forests elvish spirit guides and channel and the whole thing Mm -hmm. was to try to mill (laughs) out the whole table on turn one in a mono green deck (laughs) and that was that was a thing and i if you guys would have told me hey i don't like this deck i'd say okay and then i would like play a different deck but i would still play that deck sometimes and i wouldn't tell you if i was going Mm -hmm. to we never Mm -hmm. asked just Mm -hmm. like hey guys do we because we're kind of jerks to each other sometimes yeah and like that was kind of the whole bit we were just four people like laughing around and like you know sometimes we'd specifically build things that would stop other people's decks like just on purpose (laughs) it's like and if josh ever brought a new deck to the table no matter what deck i was using i would be like i want to make sure that his new deck specifically doesn't get to do Mm -hmm. the thing that it wants in the first game and that's how Mm we were as a group (laughs) which we never had the discussion we actively tried to be to be mean sometimes but like if i'm going to like some strangers then i'm gonna you know, they don't know me. They don't know the shenanigans. We don't have that same rapport, mm-hmm. that back and forth. That's just yeah. like, you know, if Josh can't play any of his cards, then the other three of us at the table say, sorry, man, you should have you should have packed specific counters <laughs> for whatever thing we're all three doing to you. That seems like it's your fault. And then you Josh will, told us this was a new deck. Yeah, you should have yeah. just not told us it was new. <laughs> But like if I'm at a if yeah. I'm at another table, I'm almost the exact opposite. I will sheepishly, mm-hmm. like a like a tiny shy boy, walk over there and be like, "Um, hey guys, I got this deck. It can mill really really fast. Um, and it's mono green. Is <laughs> is that okay? And if they're just like a mono, okay, yeah, sure. I mean, thank you. And then like that's that's how I thank you. That's how wah, I typically wah, do it. Wah. And I go mm-hmm. give him all a kiss. I do not. We don't do that right now. But in a world where we could, right I now. would. And man, it'd be a smack. Prior to quarantine, it was the same. Oh, and I, I think I think that's a key point there, right? So like our play group into like one, it's I, I think um to to make the advice or kind of make the the um the anecdote a bit more widely applicable, right? Like our friend group is a bunch of people who are um it it at the minimum i think comedy adjacent and we are also people who will like yes. who would enjoy just <laughs> yeah. literally like spending time together doing literally nothing and so mm-hmm. i think in that instance the power disparity is not as much of a problem in like our play group because worst case scenario is Josh, or rather, I say worst. I mean best. Best case scenario <laughs> is that Josh's new deck gets dunked on. I don't have to see the cards in it anymore. And then I get to benefit from Daniel's group hug deck and play out a billion tokens. Uh, and yeah. the whole time that that's happening, mm-hmm. each mm-hmm. player at the table is spending time with their friends. And so playing the right. game or not, or watching their friends do stuff, I think is roughly equivalent in like enjoyment because it's it's like that's pure social and this is when you have a play group um Mm -hmm. and i'll say like for for people who are completely casually minded i think it's okay to have like 
to have the status that we enjoy, uh, but to have like that, that <laughs> kind of thing as an end game where you have a group of like friends or people like who play magic, but you would be just as chill like going there to essentially what you're doing is you're playing magic to have something to do with your hands. I think that's a perfectly fine end, find end goal. And people in that play can play like this turbo stacks deck, because really it's just like, this is what I'm going to do with my hands for five seconds. And now I'm going to go back to joking with the rest of the table. Right. And that's a mm. thing that I, I think that's a luxury that you are afforded when you have a dedicated play group. Um, now the flip side of that though is, I think it's all like this is I think more common. I do think that our playgroup is a little bit rare. Ours, in that yeah, because ours I do think mm. more often than not, I think we built mm-hmm. jokes first, and yes. and then right. you know it's it's all very it's like three or four different stand up comedy specials on the same network, <laughs> picture and picture and picture and picture, <laughs> like on a the same of one the bands, screen, but for stand up comedy, yeah, all on the same whatever, stage, right. and no one stops talking. Yeah, and, and I think and I think that's Ugh. key. So, like, for people who um, I don't know if we've actually been explicit about this in the show before, but like our play group. So our like whenever those of us who host the show and then friends of ours play. Um, mm-hmm. Prior to moving to Commander, we played kitchen table magic for I think like four or five years, mm-hmm. and this is we would all build At sixty least. card decks. Any legality, I think we allowed uncards. We didn't care. We just hung up together and we played um, between. I think three and sometimes eight player magic, the gathering once a week or <laughs> mm-hmm. whenever we could get the time. Mm-hmm. And so we are, and, and we transitioned to commander. I think this was started by Daniel, if I remember yep. correctly. And I it was so. so that we could take our kitchen table play where we had decks that weren't competitively tuned. Sometimes they were built around jokes or a specific two card interaction. And essentially we could expand kitchen table legality, I think was Daniel's exact verbiage. And that's what like I, and I assume Josh adopted Hmm. where so, well, and I think all of that is to say that our play group, like conceptually comes from a place of decks as pure expression with whatever they do is completely secondary and mostly irrelevant as a starting point and so our like our personal play group is a lot more forgiving to things like oh this deck is just literally miserable to play against or this deck doesn't do anything at all by design Daniel at one point yeah. had a deck that's whole goal was to never take any turns and, uh-huh. like, and so I, I i don't want people to like necessarily like if that if the way that we describe the matches that we play sounds appealing pursue that and make commander is flexible enough to accommodate you making it making of it what you want but there are a lot of other play groups that i think it's okay to say like in the same way that i mentioned earlier completely griefing Catan whenever that gets played Mm -hmm. that is a way that i show my friends and family the people who love me that i think the things that they enjoy are stupid and i don't like them and so Mm. but all of that to say like there is a type of game that i just do not enjoy playing and so whenever like i'm invited whenever i'm around to kind of play a board game i kind of soft influence that by what games i like and things like that and there i think there are completely valid arguments for like your play group being like just none of us like stacks we all know that cards that are in the format do that we all know that they are effective but none of us really like that and in in Mm. your play group it's okay to i think 
Um, and, and I don't know, we'll see, I guess, how this shakes out whenever we get to like the more, um, with randos discussion, but mm-hmm. like to just be like, no, none of us here like stacks. And I think it's important though, I think to allow for making sure that's universal because like, I, I'm certain that I have a deck or two that the rest of the people don't exactly enjoy playing against, but the experience, because ours is more social, more casual when we're, when we're in our like personal play group is manageable enough that i get to i get kind of that kind of flexibility as do the mm-hmm. other players but like if I, nobody's I having stacks. a good time i love i, I love think playing stacks, stacks. i love playing against stacks make it mm-hmm. hard for everyone and if everyone's having a bad time that's a good time i, Our play I also i got no problem like... <laughs> with stacks my only problem in all of mm-hmm. magic i don't care if i never get to take another turn because i'm mind slaver locked i don't care if you blow up my permanence i don't care if i can't yeah. cast spells because of stacks i just mm-hmm. want turns to be short if you if i don't yeah, right. if my turns are just draw up keep and then pass that's fine but if you're gonna sit <laughs> there for 30 yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. I'm not playing anything. But if somebody's going to sit there and take like a... It's one thing to not be able to play magic, but when you don't even give uh-huh. me the opportunity to not play by passing your 20-minute dig turn, I, <laughs> I, I hate those turns. Josh was a, a huge Johnny, so I hated all of Josh's decks. And it wasn't because of what the decks did. Well, it's yeah. because of how Josh specifically plays. Yeah, no, I didn't the, play I didn't yeah. play decks yeah, that took long turns. I took long turns playing my decks because my brain worked <laughs> very slowly. And I yeah. would get deep into a turn that I should have been able to finish out quick. And I'd just, like, mm-hmm. get lost. So that's um, entirely on me. Here's actually a point, but I think before we move on to like you playing at an LGS and playing with randos, I do actually kind of want to get, get to this um, because I think, I think this may be good for people who uh, may be like in a play group and are, I don't know, like, I, I get that a lot of people are socially like a little bit self-conscious or maybe they don't have the confidence to be like, Hey, I genuinely have a bad time when this happens. Can we not do that? A lot, I think that is difficult for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially mm-hmm. like mad, uh, one of magic strengths is that it, you know, it attracts a wide swath of people. It attracts a very wide audience, ah. not all of whom are like, socially engaged so i think it may help them like so for our play group this is something that we can each speak to like personally Mm -hmm. um daniel mentioned there and you may want to extrapolate on it but like daniel's kind of grievance is just like anything that takes long time on or takes a long time on a single turn and uh and so i think like those would be things like what have what are grievances that we have we have observed either in our prior purely kitchen table model our current commander play style whatever we're doing um, what are like grievances and how have those either been, um, how, how have you either like brought those up and said like, Hey, maybe let's not do that. Or how have you personally <laughs> dealt with it or personally well, kind of mitigated that to enhance yeah. your play to make sure that you're still having fun. The only deck that I can think of that I actively didn't like playing when it was around was Daniel's, mm-hmm. uh, 60 card. What did, what did you call it? The, um, the, um, oh, was crap. auction house auction house yeah because that completely built around (laughs) scramble versing and stuff just over and over again Mm -hmm. and so that Mm -hmm. made not just like his or some players turns long it made every turn so long because you just (laughs) were trying to figure out okay 
randomly reassign every permanent in play and then even mm-hmm. once we complete that process it will not matter we will be doing yeah. this again <laughs> very very soon and so it was just a hellscape of just wanting just wanting the game to end because nothing could possibly <laughs> matter because there was no ground to make it was all just yeah. spending time randomly reassigning things. That is the I, I really can't think of a single other deck that I have been unhappy to play with around yeah. because I really enjoy magic even if I lose really fast or anything. I like the game, but that sure. is the only deck I can think of that just made me miserable. Um, and, and I think and my yeah. solution to that, and it's just the yeah. player that I am in our play group, my solution was... I would totally play out those games with that and just complain the whole time. That yeah. was my solution. <laughs> it, it, it's and, and I think like the, the key thing there that again, like if you're relatively new to commander um, and listening to this episode, that may not immediately grok as to what the, mm. the minutia of that annoyance, but it's right. Um, it's because you won't, you will not see this kind of board state in like a standard game or a one V one at all. Mm. But it's the fact that everything we know that at the end of this turn, the things that happen at the beginning will not matter. However, mm-hmm. there are narrow corner cases mathematically that could in theory absolutely be pivotal and very important so it's not a thing that you can ignore you can't Mm. just skip over it and pretend it doesn't matter you actually have to logistically do all of the parts all of the way and then throw them away to do them again (laughs) yep yep and I, I think part of the part of the mitigation there, though, is the fact that it's, you know, like we were we were playing to hang out and like yeah. this thing sucked for most of the players. <laughs> I think Daniel had a ball. I, but I like, did have a ball. <laughs> and let me tell you why I had a ball. OK, yeah, because it gave mm-hmm. people a chance. Imagine, OK, think of it sort of like a demo disc in like a Walmart video game kiosk. Not like Josh isn't going to build a Drew deck, but we can let him play with a Drew deck for like maybe two, two, three minutes. And then the disc resets. Okay, what demo is he playing now? Now he's using a little bit of this deck. And then I think that it's good to open and expand the minds of players to different cards. And I feel like the best way to do that is a terrible board state, a terrible, horrible board state. (laughs) It just and it so, felt, and so Daniel it, acknowledges that uh-huh. <laughs> it felt like playing Uno. Uno is in general that is my least favorite game in the world because it's just okay. what card do I pull off the deck next? That will determine how the game goes. Just the randomness of what I draw. Omen Machine is literally my favorite and, card, uh, and that's just that. So I, I well, don't I know, but then at how least that's bad. that at least is still everyone playing their own deck. That is at least people I see, that's playing. The problem. Even that's the pro- no, even with um. Oh, what is what is the one card? What is the blue enchantment where you're drawing from other players' decks? Um, oh, shared fate. Shared, shared fate. fate. Yeah, I knew Daniel. You would know can it. at least there make choices of whose deck you draw from that could mm-hmm. be right or wrong calls to make some kind of progress. But your auction house deck was like playing Uno in that there are there are essentially no choices to make. It is all random. We will look mm-hmm. at random things happening until randomly the game is done. No, there are choices. Perplexing Chimera was in the deck. So anytime that I cast Uh, Scrambleverse, if you wanted, you could choose to take control of the Scrambleverse. Scrambleverse. (laughs) So you're and have the end result. So I don't want to get into semantics, but you are wrong. 
there. And uh, see, this is kind, this this whole uh, conversation yeah. is a good example of what happens when your playgroup yeah. is is a a um, set in stone mm-hmm. strong foundation <laughs> playgroup. Yeah, this is how well, conversations it, it, go. It, it's our our playgroup is is people who were friends first, and then we play magic. We mm. didn't form from an LGS and then become friends through that. It's like at the end of the day, if we decided ultimately like tomorrow to start playing Yu Gi Oh, I would probably leave the friend group forever. But the friend <laughs> group, in a general sense, would start to maintain. Uh, Daniel, so uh, uh, to kind of pivot it from Josh, since Josh's grievance was with one of your decks, uh, you know, like what 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 is a time, um, you know, if any, but like a time where there's just like a, one of the decks at the table where like you have either voiced or not. Um, like a grievance with or a type of play that you just didn't enjoy and kind of what was your what was your process through that uh man i typically i'm usually pretty good about just keeping my mouth shut unless i've had like mm. a really terrible day it's why mm. i said voiced or no yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah um no um i still i i just Josh ruined turns for me that are too long. It's interesting mm-hmm. though, because Josh was like, um, Josh in 60 card format. Josh was the Johnny hundred percent. Johnny. Yeah. There was no Timmy. There was no spike. It was all Johnny. It was all convoluted yeah. combos, setting up turns, um, doing mm-hmm. these things, this big machine, this big mechanical whirring beast. And now Josh has turned flat Timmy there's no Johnny anymore. It's just serpents, <laughs> leviathans, krakens. Okay, rogues, grab rogues. What is this? Cheap artifacts? Play those and then put equipment on them. Walls? Walls. There's no, there's no Johnny anymore. And yet he still manages to sometimes have these turns. This still takes so that, long. We'll see. That's just not even game related. That is I my know brain it's not game bad. related. And so... <laughs> Yeah. I know it's not game related. And then and then Drew sometimes, Drew's kind of had a weird shift because Drew was a lot more Timmy. He was a lot more big yeah. stuff going. But then with the 60 card or the 100 card element, now Drew kind of has these machines and Drew's got mm-hmm. these engines. So Drew's kind of shifted into this weird Johnny area. So now yeah. I'm playing with the Timmy Josh who takes long turns because he's Josh. <laughs> and then every now and then drew because his engine has just so many moving pieces takes these really yeah. long new drew Johnny turns and everything's just on its head. Um, yeah, it's weird. Uh, I don't, I don't air out my grievances because like, at least on Drew's turns, I think that he'll win. I think if he's doing his <laughs> yeah. things enough, he'll probably end the game. And so at least yeah. it's like, okay, at least I don't have to wait for another big, long drew turn. That's okay. Mm-hmm. And then for Josh's, you know, I, I, I'm pretty vocal with Josh. I'll, I'll talk to Josh. But <laughs> yeah. if, if Josh is taking I like don't... a 10 minute turn just to figure out, oh yeah, I can swing with my robes. And then he swings with his robes <laughs> to trigger his mm-hmm. prowl because he just now remembered how it worked. Then, mm-hmm. then, you know, I know that there's no saving grace there. So it's it's useless well, to look, say anything. In in my defense. Yeah, remember that, ex- that there's it, an experiment where a dog was on uh-huh. an electrified floor. And after enough time that the dog was on the electrified floor, it stopped even trying uh-huh. to get away. Even when they took the leash off the dog, not holding it to the electrified floor, the dog had already learned how helpless it was to even try. So it would just sit there on the electrified floor. <laughs> so that's how I feel in long turns. I stomach it. Mm-hmm. I'm fine. And the reason why I stay with it is because my turns are going to be fast and they're going to do something stupid. And so mm-hmm. I'm going to be like, mm-hmm. okay, I have like, it's me. I'm going to do this thing in a minute. 
probably going to cast witch hunt. I'm probably going to blow up some stuff. <laughs> yeah. Or and then and then you know I'm done. But I, that's that's why I like big impactful cards. So even if well, I don't see, have a yeah. good turn or like even mm-hmm. if people are taking a while, I'm going to do something that is big somewhat mm-hmm. and then usually pass. Mm-hmm. There are times yeah. when I don't and those are sad, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> I try to build big explosive things to help okay. deal with the lull okay. that I have in my own mind. And uh, okay. Josh, you mentioned something you had like in your own defense against your just un, I, I will say, well, long yes, no, Christ. my but in yeah. defense, in defense, sometimes even with thinking for a very, very, very long time and planning things out, mm-hmm. I still mm-hmm. make mistakes. Yes. So the thinking <laughs> yeah. is necessary and doesn't help, it doesn't doesn't even help doesn't sometimes. Help. I mm-hmm. need it. I'm, and I, I I think I, and I think kind of here's here's kind of the uh, to 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 transition it to me, um, yes. Because it's I think like his Daniel Daniel mentioned there, and I think there's a clear distinction there. Is in our play group, I do take on. I, I think it does vary based on the deck. Some decks definitely do it more than others, but I do take some forever turns. But Daniel mentioned mm-hmm. there, if I'm taking a forever turn, I'm probably about to win <laughs> the whole game from here. Mm. And what I, and so this is a thing that I think um, this is actually a good inflection point here because it's Josh's forever turns do not just <laughs> impact Daniel. They do impact the whole board, which includes me. And so, and so that, that is a thing that, you know, um, in wet, in the era of webcam magic, I fortunately can distract myself by decent things. Yeah, thank God. Right. Thank God we <laughs> can board. <laughs> definitely so I can completely the only thing out. worse than the pandemic <laughs> is josh's long turns so thank goodness we have webcam magic lord yeah. um but like it's 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 the combination like so for me and i think this is a this is why i think it's such a neat inflection point is um it, uh the turns that daniel would take that are just mechanically mechanically complex but also very necessary to define board state and things like that that we can't just leave up to random chance if we want to continue the game in earnest and then also josh's long turns is that like daniel said my forever turns end up with me ending the game and the way that i have kind of achieved that is i goldfish my decks a ton um so goldfishing if you're if you're new to that term the literal the literal definition of it is that like with a magic deck the way that the term is used at least you have a magic deck you've built it you think it's going to be practical but you haven't like played it against a person or you've only played it against people a couple times the logistic definition is that you play against an imaginary opponent as though they were a goldfish who casts no spells who draws no cards who just has a hand of seven cards has the life total that they have and you see how quickly your deck can beat a goldfish. So someone who takes absolutely no actions and I will do this. So my CDC deck, this has come up in multiple, in multiple episodes. I have since late 2016 um, to now I have goldfished some version of the CDC deck at a bare minimum twice a week over three plus Hmm. years and mm. this is a um as as someone who both is annoyed by among other things but annoyed by like it's just things that are mechanically complex which i will see mm. do actually have value i think our playgroup as a whole knows a lot more about very corner case rules interactions oh, yeah. 
based as a result of this absolute tornado that comes through the occasional game. We have um, imprisoned ourselves in libraries yeah. where we had to learn the way we out. We had to read every book. And <laughs> and someone who is kind of having to sit and wait for a turn to happen. It's I didn't want to inflict that on other players and then have the end result of well now that we're mm. in the end step it turns out this roll of 18,000 dice didn't matter let's now start <laughs> it over again and roll 18,000 more and now I do think that the thing that I do I think that I think there's a scale right I also mm-hmm. have a giant tribal deck that does not really have combo interactions I'm playing the big mm. dumb giants and I'm swinging with the big dumb giant that's I still that, that's the one that feels mm-hmm. like a drew deck to me I like that one. <laughs> the, yeah the most old school but mm-hmm. it's it's in the decks that are like Sidisi. Sidisi is a toolbox deck that deals with graveyard synergies has the potential to have an effective hand meaning that the cards I have access to to cast of sometimes upwards of 40 plus cards that's a deck that one I really enjoyed and I felt like whenever I would play it at a t- at an actual table with people I felt like there was more things I could be doing and so I on my own I wasn't asked to do to do this by anybody but both I enjoyed doing it and also I wanted to learn my own deck a bit more I took that time to kind of goldfish it to play it a lot because that way at any given point, even if I'm taking a forever turn, it's because I know that with these specific cards on board and these in hand, I can win the game right now. And so I'm going to try to dig for that. And this is a thing where it's, it's more so as a result of, I know what my deck can do. I know that instead of like a normal, like if you didn't really know the deck, you would probably do like one or two things in the past. I'm like, I know that if I do three or four things in this order, I can dig through my whole deck and win on the spot. Um, hmm. And so that's kind of both. It's, it's, it is a thing like it's an awareness of an annoyance. And that is kind of the correction quote unquote, because I still do take the long turns. There's sometimes hmm. just no way to really avoid that. But I now, I now have at least kind of set the expectation that if I am doing that, the players know that I'm about to end the game. I just have to like to earn that victory. I have to literally do the parts. Right. Um, to then uh, answer the other part for myself um, there is I think the thing that has annoyed me the most and this has actually had an interesting flip in it is in our kitchen table versions in our kitchen table decks in our kitchen table time there was a deck that I think Daniel had because Josh annoyed me with any deck that he played because he takes forever (laughs) the deck is irrelevant I'm annoyed by my friend Josh I I gotta think I gotta (laughs) but uh there was a deck i think that daniel had that was just called like i don't even want to play magic and it was a skip turns deck (laughs) i think the win condition was a winter or glacial chasm and chronotal yeah it it was a mill deck at the speed of the turns that you took (laughs) the win condition of that was that daniel would set up a board state that would allow him to infinitely skip turns and he would he would not do anything and you would eventually unless you had an answer to one of the pieces or actually at a certain point all of the pieces really Mm -hmm. um you -hmm. would deck out by the nature of he would be able to survive for more more turns than you had cards in the deck um this is the thing i didn't really bring up because it's we had the we had the benefit of any individual player had multiple decks i think at peak i had like 10 to 12 in this grouping daniel had like Mm. 15 to 20 or so 60 card decks and so any given individual deck that was a problem was you know a smaller percentage of what i would see at a given table 
Um, but the thing, the thing that bothered me is that it was a thing like we agreed to play magic. One player was not playing magic. They literally were, they literally did play magic, but their deck was built so that they did some things and then just kind of sat there. And I had to mentally be aware of their space as the player, but they weren't doing anything. The flip side mm -hmm. of that though, a thing that has kind of been answered currently is that deck in specific I now have, I now have the Chronotog <laughs> deck that skips its own turns. Um, and I have kind of found the fun in it in that like my deck, because of Singleton, I can't actually build the literal thing that Daniel was doing, what he was going for mm -hmm, with that mm -hmm. deck, but I can do a thing where it's my deck's more group huggy. And then it causes things that are just problems. And then I skip my turns for all of the problems. Um, and Daniel's version of that deck, if I if I am interpreting it correctly, Daniel, I think it's that that's your that's currently your Feldegriff deck, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. No, I I Where that, um, that kind of end the game quick. No, that's a that's a different deck. the The skip turns mm. deck is about never playing the game. The Feldegriff deck is about ending the game as fast as humanly possible. So okay. they're technically, I I did build a commander version of Chronotog. Mm -hmm. But then I learned yeah. playing the commander version of Chronotog that a hundred cards uh, that people have to draw through um, takes a lot longer oh. than 60. <laughs> and because yeah, 60 fair. has a lot more um, duplicates, duplicates in it, a person mm -hmm. is more likely to just know outright, okay, none of the cards in my deck can stop your combo. In a 100 card yeah, deck right, being yeah. singleton, somebody's mm -hmm. probably going to have one answer and it's probably somewhere in the deck. And it was just, <laughs> yeah. it was a little too much even for me. So I just, I just yeah. scrapped it. I just scrapped it. And I was like, okay, it's yeah. fun for 60. Well, it's, it's fun for me for 60 card deck, but <laughs> yeah. for, um, but yeah. for commander, I don't, I don't really want to play this deck. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, and like, and so that's kind of what has happened there. It's like in the, in those matches, it's, I would either have an answer. I think, I think in my head playing against the deck enough times, like I, I broke down, I go, okay, all right. I don't like playing against this deck in general, but whenever it's going to do its thing, I know that I either need to have an answer to Chronotog in this many turns an answer to glacial chasm in this many <laughs> turns or an answer to, I think the lowest on my totem pole was, I think like static orb or whatever, um, uh, stasis. There were a lot of, uh, yeah. Stasis. Yeah. 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 An answer to this. <laughs> and so like, for me, it was less like I need to win this game. It's like, I go like, okay, because of how multiplayer works per rotation at the table, Daniel net takes a turn, quote unquote, in the rules of the game, but really skips positive three turns. Uh, yeah. So if mm -hmm. I, I need to be able to answer it in enough times that he is back to having to take turns and then I'm able to just beat him. If I can't do that, I'll go ahead and, you know, scoop it up. We'll play the next match. Um, and that's kind of a thing where I kind of built my own win condition, I guess, to the mm -hmm. decks that I had the had the least fun playing against so that I knew I could either basically disengage from the game to then just go into hanging out with friends mode, or I could go like, okay, I'm still in this game if I can meet these things. And so I think um, to, uh, to kind of get like, I guess the last round of final points there, I think that's the thing with a personal play group with like a people that you are like playing at their house very often. These may be roommates, maybe friends and family. Um, I think like we all mentioned here, it's we all have had different problems there. And sometimes those are mitigated by a change in 
in player based on change in format. Like we mentioned, like Josh still takes hella long turns, but his decks <laughs> are much less complex. And so they don't like multiply the length of the turn in the way that they used to, because right. it's the decks are just play out the cards in hand and then swing with them. Or mm-hmm. <clears throat> some of them are, a player may in like, I wasn't, I do want to, I guess, stress that I wasn't like told to do this by the play group, but it's I, to avoid my own negative play experience, I think have actually taken a couple steps to improve the group's play experience by the decks I have that would be problematic being less so due to my familiarity with them. And then the other thing there is like, if it's not even like a, if you can't beat them, join them, just know what the real win is. If a deck is like hmm. in your play group and it's so uh, warping to the table because of what it does, I think it's kind of redefine what victory is against that deck in a, in a realistic sense, right? Because like mm-hmm. I I didn't dislike the deck to the point that I would be like, hey, don't play this. I disliked it to the point that I go, let me <laughs> uh, let me figure out what <laughs> is the point at which I can beat it. And if not, uh-huh. let me go ahead and move on so that I can stop playing against the deck. Right. You know what? The funniest thing Which, about that is if you would have told me, mm-hmm. hey, don't play that deck, I'd say, hey, don't worry. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole yeah. shit. That, that dab the whole onto thing. the moon. <laughs> <laughs> don't you understand what this deck does? I don't play it. Everything's going according to plan. Dab onto the moon. Yeah, Ow. just dab all the way onto the moon. Yeah. You know how it is. All the way onto the moon. So from there, the moon. I think yes. we then want to move on to um, kind of what I... It's hard to say um, because it's both... I don't think this is as common currently because of, um, you know, uh, COVID and quarantining and stuff. However, mm-hmm. I think with the elevation and with the popularity of online magic, mm-hmm. I actually mm-hmm. think this is more common. So... Um, the power level discussion. One thing I do want to kind of get out of the way, just because it's um, it's not it's not as much of a rich vein for discussion. But like, there are communities that kind of engage in organized, casual online play. I, for one, I'm a member of the EDH um, of the Play EDH Discord channel, and they kind of take this conversation out of your hands more or less. Which, because they're 100% internet based, I think is worthwhile. And if this is the thing you want to get into, if you just search play EDH Discord, you'll be able to find it. But effectively, what this does is the people who moderate this Discord channel, they have a team of moderators they have each weekend. Instead of having the, the power level discussion with the people, you submit your deck and it is rated. And then the moderators and administrators of the server will tell you, hey, yours fits into this thing here. Oh, this power level. Interesting. This thing. I didn't know that You'll was a thing. You'll then get access huh. to those, uh, those Discord chats. And so everybody who's in that general Discord chat have the ability to go like, okay, everyone here just is on the same power level. I don't have to have this conversation with people. It's there is a singular, I mean, granted it's, you know, the, the moderation team is a group of people, but yeah, there's a single entity that is arbitrarily, but uh, uh, consistently applying power levels to decks from one point of view. So that like, even if what I think is a high power deck and a low power deck may not be what you define that as, I can hmm. accept that this one group of people will ideally apply the same conversation or apply the same kind of rubric to each deck yeah. that they look at. And, and from there, I, I find people that are in my power group. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of had questions on what 
all mm-hmm. exactly would go into determining deck power because I know kind of the different parts mm-hmm. that would go in, but like I, I'm really curious about like um if you have maybe a deck where the n- kind of not mana based cards aren't mm-hmm. really that tuned or that strong necessarily, but then but the like, mana base is like somehow perfect. the mana base is ridiculous and so they are essentially able to do anything they can mm-hmm. do but the things that they can do aren't like, as strong. Like, I don't like really know running how vanilla you creatures. That. They're running vanilla creatures, but they're also running original duels and fetches. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, yeah. And I think that's part of the thing here. So, like, it's what you may, in the in the current age, what you may often come across is online communities. And a lot of times, I have not done an exhaustive, you know, a deep dive into this at all. But at least the most popular one I'm aware of, this is kind of how they handle it. So, okay. I think um, if you're in current times, if you're listening to this, like, literally as it comes out, I think it's if you're on an online community, a lot of times that community will have kind of a self-governing thing for how they work. And I think that's actually a good leapfrog into a, into the the conversation we're segueing into in that Mm -hmm. this conversation is not set in stone across playgroup to playgroup, LGS to LGS, whatever it is. Um, I think you have to go into this knowing that you will, be defining what this conversation is in the moment whenever you have it we both we just gave a a kind of a way that works for these are all your friends all people you know and how that can kind of be wonky by design it can really Mm -hmm. be anything but like play edh as an example just because it is i believe the largest community it's very very big there are like i think five figures worth of people on it the way that they do it is that there's a central group they assign the power level two decks that you submit to them and then you're in those groups, people who kind of violate, I think, the good faith of that system. People call that out. If I am in like a low power group and somebody brings an Urza Turbo, you know, CEDH deck to that table, because everyone is interested in the in the overall and everybody's play experience, people will report that deck as kind of going against the spirit of what they're doing. And then the moderators will handle that. But when it works hmm. the way it's intended to, everyone's deck list is evaluated by one group of people who have a roughly fair method of adjusting. Like, even if you disagree with it, that means that what they think is this power level and what, and like another deck are going to be evenly matched. And so the play experience is generally good. However, like Josh hinted at here, power level discussions are very subjective. And I think to Mm. circle back, Josh, you don't talk a lot. Go ahead and give the audience kind of uh, your point of view on like how subjective that conversation can get from your experience. Well, I mean, it's like uh, very specifically the other day um, Mm -hmm. we kind of as a group and I I don't know if it's been posted publicly yet as a public question for discussion, but talking about what currently banned uh, commander cards would we personally Mm -hmm. unban? And I I had forgotten that uh, Braid's Cabal Minion is banned as uh, in commander at all. Um, my understanding mm-hmm. is that there at one point in time, there was a list of don't use these as your commander, but you can have them in your 99. But I think at this point, there was that banned has as just commander been... and then banned in general. Yeah. Right. But I think I, as I understand it at this point now, it's just combined into these are banned in commander could be wrong on that, but I think, I think so. Um, but in being reminded that uh, braids come minion is banned. It's like, and I did a little looking around to try to figure out why exactly that was. And from what I saw, it's not that she's broken in any power level or like combo potential. It's just that she is straight stacks and people, the the powers that be don't think that's fun for commander. 
and that is just literally 100% subjective, I would mm-hmm. be fine with not only playing, but playing against a straight-up co- Braids Cabal Minion stacks deck. Mm-hmm. And I think you guys probably would be too. It's, it's clearly yeah, it's just I, I the definition no of subjective. Braids. I like Braids. Yeah. I like, and yet yeah, she I like is banned. And yet she is mm-hmm. straight banned. And that is a, that well, is how subjective that can be. And I, I think the other key thing there, uh, like, uh, and this may end up warranting kind of its own episode, yeah. but like there, there is, I think mm-hmm. a lot of things to be discussed around like the band list in general. Um, so for people mm-hmm. who may not know the card, just so you kind of know what Josh is ah, referencing, right, right, right. Uh, Braid's Cabal Minion is two and two black for a legendary human two, two at the beginning of each player's upkeep, they sacrifice an artifact creature or land. And so um, the the pro for this card being banned is that it's a card that you always have access to. And so like unlike mm-hmm. um, if this same creature was like a random non-legendary creature, you have the um, in general commander is more as a format is more forgiving to cards that you do have to draw into than they are things that can be your right. commander. And yeah. thus you always have access to them, you know, whether you know, on an individual card by card basis, I agree or not. That's kind of where a lot of the understanding goes. Um, and, and that, and, but that's kind of the, that's the thing there, right? Where by playing commander with, you know, random people, I do, I do agree to abide by this band list. Now we referenced earlier rule zero. Mm-hmm. I can say like, mm-hmm. Hey, can I run this card? And if that random group of people happens mm-hmm. to be amenable to it, that might right. fly. Sometimes it might not. But I think Josh brings up a kind of a good point there. It's the power level discussion is subjective mm-hmm. in, I think corner case scenarios, maybe braids is kind of a, because it's a banned card as well. It has a bit more visibility. Yeah. People mm-hmm. are more likely to yeah. have an opinion on it, but a card like a card, like glacial chasm um, is a pretty decent example. Glacial chasm mm-hmm. is a land. It has a cumulative upkeep of pay to life, um, pay to life. And mm-hmm. then you cannot creatures you control can't attack and prevent all damage that will be dealt to you. That is a card that is legal in the format. I personally, because, well, I have, I have some history of having to deal with this card being around, but uh-huh. also it, and so it is a card that I accept. I accept that I may see it. It's not a thing that I'm going to, you know, lose my shit over. Um, but it's because it's a card that I kind of, uh, I'm accustomed to. If you are coming to a group of random people from a pod that was basically just combat was like sacred maybe no one said it maybe it never came up explicitly yeah it's just kind of what the group was doing the group group just in general Mm -hmm. didn't mess with combat Mm -hmm. you see glacial chasm you go like literally none of the decks i have can do anything about this card how Mm -hmm. is this allowed and that's kind of a thing where like glacial chasm Mm -hmm. is not a card that's a boogeyman in the format people aren't people don't see it and immediately groan necessarily but for an individual player this card may be a pain point. And that's kind of where um, this power level discussion comes in. Uh, uh, Daniel, kind of what's, what's your take on like the power level discussion in a general sense? Uh, the power level discussion in a general sense is it's so odd to me um, in the mm-hmm. sense that one, it's like things that Josh likes and enjoys and doesn't feel mm-hmm. like are busted. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a lot of crossover between the kind of cards that, that me and Josh and you all enjoy um, that mm-hmm. other players don't. And, but the thing about that is, is that yeah. having said that, I don't know what power level that puts us at. 
What power level yeah, would it yeah, put us at if, if Braids was unbanned and we wanted to run it? <laughs> would that automatically make our decks that have it a 9 or a 10? I'm incredibly doubtful. I don't think I think so. even a no. Braids at the helm is still yeah. only good. Like, like, yeah, I'm sure there's a tuned version that can be good, but do I think it'd be like run away with the game kind of thing? No, I think mm-hmm. like if, if somebody gets rid of your way to keep amassing permanence, to like mm-hmm. where you don't have to actually like sack lands or whatever to braids and you're just sacking your mm-hmm. own lands or braids, then okay, <laughs> yeah. you've just flashbag marauders for a turn. That's whatever. Yeah. There's yeah. nothing crazy about that to me. But there's some players who'd probably be like, no, but me wanting that card doesn't mean my decks are nines and them not wanting it doesn't mean that their decks are ones. So mm-hmm. yeah. to me, I think I think what power level comes down to because one, it's a scale of one to ten, which is bonkers. Mm-hmm. Because one to ten is such a big <laughs> array of numbers. I yeah. personally think it should be like one to five. You know, your yeah. your jank silly things mm-hmm. that are like, hey, this is a turtles deck. And yeah. I win by killing you with turtles. That's a one. Right. That'd be a one. <laughs> let your CEDHs yeah. be a five. Let your stuff, let your like Corvald value engine decks be like a four. Just, mm-hmm. but like that, don't quite cross mm-hmm. over into CEDH. It seems like easier to to eat because people only pick. I think that you, me, uh, you were talking to me about it. How people only ever pick like five numbers anyway. It's like people's decks are yeah. either a ten because huh. huh. it's CEDH, or they say that it's about a seven or eight, or they say that it's like a four <laughs> or three. Like there's just yeah. so many numbers that there's nobody uses. Because there's uh-huh. like aside from gimmick videos that I watch on like Commander Clash or something, where it's just sure. like, oh hey, it's Kithkin mm-hmm. Tribal, and I'm not running the the specific things that make tribal decks work, like you know Harold's Horn <laughs> and stuff. It's like this is yeah. a one, but it's like you made this deck specifically for content on the internet. This isn't a deck yeah. that mm-hmm. I think someone's gonna do that isn't gonna try to plug in those extra bits to make the deck work a little better. You know, yeah. on a scale yeah. of one to ten. What's even the point? Um, but to me, I think power level all comes down to tutors. I think if you're a deck sure. that has like 10, yeah. 12 tutors in it, you're you're going to be up there. If you're a deck that doesn't have we'll any. See. Yeah. Yeah. Just that, that ends probably up being, not. That's, it's that all has tutors. the potential to be one of those areas where it that that is potentially a budget thing right there, which is one yeah. area of this. Oh, um, yeah. I, I think that um I do. I think that some lists that are not budget or some that aren't like crazy high budget can be viable yes i think there's plenty Mm -hmm. of mono green or mono red or mono black or mono blue decks that can hang (laughs) but like i'm if but if Mm -hmm. you jam a deck full of like 10 12 tutors yeah that's probably gonna be close to a cdh deck because they run a bunch of them Right. It's like if you run a bunch of tap lands but you have like Mm -hmm. and even if you're like win con is a janky engine like, you know, I have a deck mm-hmm. that's like Words of Wilding, Ashnod's Altar, and Fecundity. So I can make mm-hmm. infinite bears, get infinite colorless mana, and get infinite ETB and death triggers. That's a weird way to yeah. get infinite stuff because you just kill bears forever. But that's still, right. if I'm tutoring those pieces, that's still a very effective uh-huh. combo. It is not hard to right. do if yeah. I just pluck it out of my deck. So I, I think power level, more often than not, in regards to like the numbers... Just comes to like yeah. how many just straight up ways do you have to find the thing that makes you win? 
Mm-hmm. And I, I think there, cause uh, Daniel mentioned like I, um, but behind the scenes of the show, I have been having, um, kind of this conversation, um, kind of with the group in reference to this episode kind of for quite a while, because I, I think, I think a key thing to kind of get out in front of is I, as far as like the number power level, I have literally in my time playing commander granted, mostly casual, mostly with a dedicated play group, but I have never had that conversation. I have never yeah. sat down and go like, I'm playing with about a seven. I'm playing with about a 10, whatever it happens to be. Um, and I think if you're coming into the format and you're kind of, you know, doing your diligence and going online and kind of looking at the content creators, making stuff for it, you'll hear things about like this deck is a seven on 10. This deck is a 10. This deck is a four, whatever. Um, you'll hear that conversation a lot. And again, I, I think all of us here, even combined, we do have a limited experience. None of us have been to a convention. We've only played like at our LGS at kind of the most, you know, um, out there and even more often, even at the bigger. LGS. Cause hmm. I used to go every weekend before this thing yeah. like kind of blew up Yeah, is like, mm-hmm. nobody ever mentioned it, but like on Fridays you would pay $5 and you do a tournament where there's actual prizes for winning. So nobody, yeah. mm-hmm. nobody's like, you know, people are coming in with a seven <laughs> or like eight, nines and tens, essentially. Like nobody's yeah. going to be paying yeah. $5 to get blown out. Like it ranges from yeah. like competitive, like Corvald lists, some good, just two lane value. And then like one or mm-hmm. two CEDH things that are still having to, you know, deal with some pretty decent decks anyway. But, yeah. but that's like when you're paying. So there's no reason for the discussion. Cause it's like, Oh, people are playing to win. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Yeah. And then like, or even, even if that discussion was with had, a, yeah, you couldn't expect it to be matter. honest. Like, <laughs> yeah, like right. no, expect someone to honestly say, yeah. I mean, like yeah. somebody, somebody would sit there. I mean, they would be like this person. Like they'd pull out Derevi and they'd say, "This is the exact Derevi deck that you've heard about." And I'd say, "Okay," and then they just use yeah. the good Derevi deck, but they didn't say, "Hey, this is a ten. They just said, "Oh, Derevi, are we about to get stacks out?" And they said, "Yes." And we go, "Okay, cool." Um, and then, like, even so, in the casual yeah. ones, nobody ever really asked. Like, they never did the numbers yeah. thing. It was just like, "Hey." We have a seat open, come play. And then normally the way it works mm-hmm. is that you sit down, mm-hmm. you put your commander on the table, and if it's one of those ones, they'll go, uh. And if it's not one of those ones, they'll go, oh. And, and, and then that's it. <laughs> yeah, and I think kind of this is kind of where, because like it's it's going into commander, whenever we, like, or I guess whenever I specifically, but our group, I guess is more accurate. Whenever we started to transition into commander, I was, you know, I was, in, I was um, taking in a lot of content to try to understand the format because hmm. I, I understood magic really well. I understood the cards and knew how to play it, but I didn't understand what, you know, what was the thing about this format that I was going to potentially be playing with people I had never met. And you'll get a lot of this, like have the power level discussion and things like that. And I think, Uh, kind of what we're getting to here i think it's like like we're saying none of us have really said like oh this deck is a seven is your deck a seven this game is going to be fine (laughs) it's more accurately it's in my attempts to kind of assign a number value to my decks based on that i have never been able to find a number that i felt like was really accurate and i'll I'll give a specific example Hmm. within our play group i have a deck that is uh that is held by lord windgrace it is the lord windgrace deck that you're more or less thinking about Uh, my win con Hmm. is based on getting a ren and six emblem and then endlessly casting uh splendid reclamation and then finding some way to win from there in our play group when we play at uh, like our house or whenever we play amongst ourselves that deck almost universally does exceptionally well. 
our playgroup, mm-hmm. our meta has very few answers to deal with the specific thing that when grace is doing when grace is pretty tuned to do the thing that it does. So on this kind of curve in this playgroup, my wind grace deck is a 10. That being said, mm-hmm. if I were to take this wind grace deck to a legitimate good faith CEDH table, I would get blown out in three turns and I will have played nothing but lands. And that is how <laughs> every match will go. Every Mm. single match, no matter what my hand is, that is how that will go. Because it's in the playgroup that I am playing it with, there's just the random chance that I know the decks that are in play here and the decks that just happen to not be answering the thing that this deck is doing. And in at our tables that has led to some games that are just miserable slogs. It's there's <laughs> nothing that they can draw. That is a f- sufficient answer. I am just going off from turn one and that's how they go. But at a table with random people, it's not accurate to say that I'm playing with a 10 deck because that one, that means my play hmm. experience is going to be bad because there are people who don't know this deck, who their decks may just have answers to this because of how they build decks, what decks mm-hmm. they played in against the past. Um, and things like that. And so it's not really accurate. I think more useful than that, because um, I think Daniel may have brought this up in, uh, in episodes prior, is I think there is a point of view you need to research a bit. And this is going to come. I think this is a thing that you will expect to not get right the first time, the first couple times. But in just playing the format, um, we've mentioned here, we mentioned things like Braid's Cabal Minion um, and some other general effects. We've mentioned stacks in a couple episodes. Through playing Commander, there is a type of card, maybe not a card in specific, but sometimes that as well. Um, but there is a type of card, there are types of effects that you can recognize to the average Commander player as being a thing most hmm. people do not enjoy. So Daniel mentioned Derevi stacks. I, in multiple episodes, we have talked about Atraxa and I have count Mm. and uh, I guess have provided the counterpoint. I haven't really counted it, but I provided spore counter tribal Atraxa as examples. Yeah. And uh, Atraxa, I think is actually a good example here because Atraxa is a card. If you look onto, if you look on the EDH rec, it is one of the most popular commanders. It, I think has a very high percentage of what are on EDH rec also considered salty cards. Mm-hmm. This is a card that as a player, if you're going to engage with people who are random, right, you even if this is a thing where it's like, I'm going to play the attracts deck I want to play, I don't care. You need to acknowledge or at least be aware of, even if not for their ben- benefit, but for your own. Know that when Atraxa hits a table, it will receive a certain type of reaction from most players. And that's one, it's so that you know that if you're going into this deck or you're going to this game and you're expecting, I'm going to be able to play my Atraxa, get my spore counters off. I'm going to be making one, one saplings every turn. It's going to be sick. So and then you saps. play Atraxa oh, God. and you just get domed out from the sky and you're completely <laughs> blown the hell out. You need like, if that's fine with you, awesome. You're a great type of player and I would love to uh-huh. play against you, but you need to, to go into that. it with that expectation because it's different from a more casual play group who we are just inherently on the same page with. We enjoy hanging out with each other sometimes more than others, but it's worst case <laughs> scenario. We're going to have a decent time playing magic together. If you go with your attracts a spore counter deck and you get blown out in five minutes because people see attracts and that cards kill on site. You didn't know that you didn't know to mention it. You are now not 
pro you're probably not having as good a time because you're, you know, with random people, you may not know anyone. You can't really be distracting yourself with conversation and you don't get to play the magic that you came to play. Hmm. And I think and, it's. Go ahead, well, it's like, I just, yeah, it's probably just the fact that, you know, I, I just play in our, our play group specifically. I, I have never at this point gone to just play EDH with randos. Like an F and M or. Yeah. I don't have a clear idea of how to like rate the power of my decks. Cause I only know relative to our play group. I have some mm -hmm. of my decks that I can say, yeah, this one kind of sucks. And then my other decks I have are like, yeah, these are pretty good. And that's as far as it <laughs> gets for me. Um, mm -hmm. And that, that kind of works the same way where if I went and played with a rando group and someone threw down a tracks or a Derevi, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I just have this optimism built on ignorance <laughs> where I'd be like, mm -hmm. I, I recognize that card. I, I know what it can do, but like, Surely they've done something fun, right? Surely they've done something that'll be interesting, right? I mean, oh, you can. Summer you can. And they, and they, they have to them. They yeah. have done it to them. Well, the, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so, okay. so mm -hmm. um, and, this, and this is kind of the thing that I feel like we were going to get to. And so we'll go ahead and hop into it. Because you you mm -hmm. are the most ignorant um, to the power level discussion just because you've never really yes. gone to LGSs. And you don't keep up with the, mm. with the media as much as me and Drew do. Um, so much. And so it's kind of other ways to let people know essentially what you're bringing to a table aside from just saying, hey, y'all, I'm bringing my playgroup's <laughs> version of a 10 on yeah. Lord Windgrace. Like mm -hmm. maybe some better verbiage, better metrics to use. For me, it's more, mm -hmm. more practical. More practical yeah. for me. And this is a thing I actually do at my LGS. I have a, um, yeah. I call it my mono red Rowan Planeswalkers. And it's just Rowan mm. Kenrith from the partners. And, but I don't have um, Will. It's Will. just Rowan. Yeah. And it's just a mono red Planeswalkers deck. And, mm -hmm. and I try to think of in my decks, and it's because I've played decks like Auction House and Skip My Own Turns and all those kind of things, mm -hmm. where I just try to think uh -huh. of what is the actual least fun thing, what is the most annoying mm -hmm. thing mm -hmm. in my deck. And I present that to the group. I say, hey, can yeah, I play this yeah. Rowan? And they'll say, oh, uh, sure, what's it do? And I said, well, it's just mono-red planeswalkers. I won't lie to you, though. There are things like jockle hops in here where they destroy all mm -hmm. artifacts, creatures, and lands. It's going to leave my enchantments <laughs> and planeswalkers alone. Are those kind of effects okay? And if they say no, yeah, yeah. then I'll play something else. And then, yeah. and then you know, I'll mm -hmm. just do that. But mm -hmm. if they say yes, then I'll do it. Because mm -hmm. I get that there's some mystique to not having people know what's in your deck. Don't tell them everything. Just tell them yeah. the worst bits. I have my unapologetic Ulamog that's just Annihilator and Infect. <laughs> I sit down at a table and I say, listen, this Ulamog deck is an Annihilator and Infect deck. May I play this? And if they say yes, for some reason, then I will. Mm -hmm, and then it's mm -hmm, just, and mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't have to be so severe. You know, if I'm sitting down with a Via Pashiri, not everybody likes Mill. But if I'm sitting down, yeah. I play uh, Avaya yeah. Pashir and I say, look, this is a, it's just like, do you guys have a problem with Mill? Like, is anybody like mm -hmm. absolutely hate Mill? And then, you know, oh, most people will be anyone? like, some, I, I still don't understand it, but uh, some people really sure, don't, don't like it. It makes no sense to me, well, but and, I respect and that, that. And that. I think is the I respect thing. it yeah. though, that they, that they have that yeah. aversion, even if I don't understand it. It's not, 
for me to decide mm-hmm. what they enjoy. I've decided mm-hmm. what I enjoy, and if it doesn't meld with the group, that's okay. But this, mm-hmm. I am also speaking, and I know that this doesn't work for everybody, I am speaking from a point of privilege in a sense that I have a plethora of decks. If you only have yeah. one deck and it is a Tracks of Planeswalkers, this advice yeah. is yeah. a little bit harder for you to follow. And that's the main issue I find with my metric because I can just yeah. pull, like reach into my magical satchel, pull out some random of my <laughs> 58 decks and just say, hey, mm-hmm. listen, y'all don't like Mill. I got some coin yeah. flips. Let's do coin flips. But not everybody yeah. has that thing. So my metric is not helpful because it does start with a negative, but I think that, you know, if people want to have a good time, it's important to know what the bad can be. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's my approach. Um, And my metric is I just say, Hey, here's the most annoying, like with Josh, he doesn't have to say anything. The deck does. He just say, listen, sometimes I'm really slow. I'm slow. Like, really Guys, slow. Guys, I'm stupid. And then you point Can to Arixmethes and I'm you say, stupid. this is a 12-12 Kraken. The deck does 12-12 Kraken things, but I am a burden. Is that okay? <laughs> and then people will say, sure, I guess. Mm-hmm. For Until it gets to like their, you know, two years down the line <laughs> and they say, maybe we've made a mistake. Yeah. But, well. and, and that's and that's the key thing that I think it, it's, it's, there, there is a meta awareness and there is a self awareness, mm-hmm. right? Where like, mm-hmm. Josh, in, in the examples we've given here, Josh knows that just on an objective sense, if you look at it just from a from a pure objective perspective, all of mm-hmm. Josh's decks are trash garbage. The problem <laughs> is Josh. No one yes, is going to be yes. upset that he. There's no fixing the my decks to make them not yeah. a problem. In the that the deck, the decks are on fire, and that is just what they are going to do. And so, like. In a hypothetical, Josh would go like, well, like we said there, he goes like, hey, I'm going to play fine. And maybe it's not even a thing where it's to the point you even always bring it up. But it's like, if there is a problem with what I am going to be bringing to this experience, it's Mm -hmm. me. It's not in the cards. (laughs) Be mad at me, the person. Don't be mad at the deck. The deck's fine. Be angry at the boy. Don't let me sour you on Arcades, the strategist. (laughs) Like, the deck isn't good. Even if I manage to win... Just know that that it, I am the reason you're probably most upset. <laughs> and, yeah, and I think it's a thing where like recognize and like again, you may you may do this from like you know Daniel and I do to an extent, and that's you know just watch a lot of media from which you will pick up what what I mean, what are very popular opinions that people mm-hmm. who are creating content for Commander are popular for the reason that their opinions are not always. It's not just that they have novel opinions is that they have opinions that a lot of people agree, agree with. So they watch them. Right. And so that's kind of a pretty decent heuristic to like, even if you don't agree with what a given creator says, if they're of a good size and you're in due to whatever circumstance you're playing with a lot of people who are kind of random, they mm-hmm. are a good reference point to know what, an average commander player may or may not be kind of may, may or may not have as their mindset. And again, like it's that, that is as useful to you as it, as just as it is to you, right? Like you can build decks that are always like that would, that any of these creators that would may they would never build, but it's knowing what other players generally find as a grievance is good to know so that you can speak to it so that you can be conversational hmm. with it. Like, again, like I mentioned my Sidisi deck, it's my Sidisi deck, I do think in an objective sense, is a generally pretty powerful deck. It does have the kind of self-imposed limitation of, I run 30 lands in it. That's just not enough lands, Drew. You gotta (laughs) run more lands. But, like, when I have that discussion with people, it's, I, like, 
And again, it's the kind of thing where in our playgroup, Sadisi is a known quantity, pretty strong deck. I acknowledge that at against a against a deck that is of an adequate actual power level, the deck just is not like it may hang, but that's up to the draw. And so hmm. it's not accurate for me. I'm just going to have a bad experience if I'm going around a convention and I'm like, where are the eights? Can I find the eights? Let me play with the eights yeah. and they're going to destroy my whole deck. But I go, I can go, this deck is built around, it has a bunch of different lines it can play, it's very resilient, it is combo-based, it is a graveyard deck, caveat, it runs 30 lands. Are you Hmm. game with that? There's a chance that I may just blow you out turn four, there's a chance that I may do literally nothing for eight turns. Are you game with that kind of variance? Or like, my deck may mill you, my deck may take a couple long turns it's kind of acknowledge and be aware of things that are common grievances or even specific cards that may be common grievances. Oh yeah. Just so that you things can like, like psych rift, mm-hmm. like uh, some, some cyclonic rift is a good example. Yeah. It's, it's a, ubiquitous. Yeah. A lot of people know what's going on with it. It's, it's at a lot of places, house bands. Yeah. If your deck runs it like, and, and I think, I think this is the kind of thing I hear this in a lot of people who um, kind of speak to and talk about commander online. But like, I think, there's this desire to be secretive right like i'm gonna i'm gonna surprise you because to win the game you're trying to surprise your opponent and in competitive Mm -hmm. tournament magic that is completely valid like if Mm -hmm. if the tournament does not force you to tell your opponent what your deck list is don't oh yeah when i'm when i'm doing my five dollar like just Mm come like you know play try to get a couple wins then you know i'll drop rowan and i'll be like hey man y'all don't even know what's gonna happen turn six absolutely (laughs) right because it's it's everyone because what and i think what is unsaid there or at least what is not necessarily explicitly stated is everyone is already going to that table having to an extent had the discussion everyone is going there with a table of i have brought the deck I mean, I brought the deck that I have. I brought the deck that I believe in this format will give me the best chance of winning this match because there is a prize I want at the Mm -hmm. end of it. If you're playing in a table with no stakes, it's you're just playing because you enjoy playing magic. You went to your LGS because like you don't have a play group. You don't have a play group that could meet that night and you wanted to play whatever. The understood thing there is everyone is going there to have a good time playing magic. And what you're really trying to suss out is what good time means, because that is the subjective point that matters. What somebody thinks is a seven is subjective and it can matter, but it's not what really is being discussed. It's what is a good time playing magic mean to the people at the table. And I can have a good time in spite of a static orb and stasis and chronotog. Yeah. If I'm told ahead of time to expect those, I can I can change my expectations. I can adjust to that board state and I can still enjoy myself and let that person play what they're going to play as long as I know. And that's kind of the key thing there. The numbers are an abstraction that like I think all of us here, uh, people may disagree, but like. I don't think it's as useful as it's propped up to be. No, just know the strategies, Um, know the cards like and Mm -hmm. and and don't try to be in this conversation at a place where there's no stakes to it. Don't try to be sneaky. Like, again, you don't have to show everyone your entire deck list. You can. A lot of people Mm -hmm. don't see all the connections there. But at the same time, like, don't try to uh, be sneaky during this part of it. Right, yeah. And end up kind of souring the experience for three other players because ultimately yeah. what'll happen is especially like at an LGS, 
they just will stop playing with you and then you have <laughs> no one to play with right yeah and at the end of the day people like if you're in the commander you want to be able to play more commander and you don't have to tell them when you draw static orb when you have it in hand or when you can tutor for it if you've mm-hmm. told them that it's in your deck so they know yeah. to expect it then and the i definitely i'm gonna be sneaky yeah. I definitely like the advice of tell, you know, tell people, even if it's not specific cards, tell them the, the line that they, that they're yeah. most likely to find abrasive. Like, I mean, for mm-hmm. like for my rogues deck, I might mention, I do have some ability to steal permanence. If yeah, that's, that's really that's bothersome. That's a big grievance for, for um, some people. So yeah, that, yeah no, yeah, for that yeah. one, a hundred percent, that would be one of the things that uh-huh. you could just say. Yeah, and that makes sense. Yeah. So I, I really think that in general, that's going to be the way to go. I did have the quick question of, I mean, to what degree would you find it a useful thing to know in terms of generally what the deck is worth monetarily? How much would that tell you? If It's weird, right? Because monetarily, yeah. because lands are so stupid. Lands ruin everything. I know, If, I if know. lands... If lands were the price they should be and someone said, oh man, I got like a $300 mm-hmm. deck and I'm like, mm-hmm. and all of the lands are like 10 cents, that's probably yeah. going to have some beefcakes up in there. All right. Just yeah. swarthing yeah. about. But if somebody comes up to me with like, oh, I have a $2,000 list, it's lands. <laughs> it's the lands. Yes. It's a five color Golos deck. It's wrong. all of the original duels. And then they have like, I don't know, maybe some bacon bits on top of yeah, it. Yeah, just like, like bulk rare that. worms are in there <laughs> as like uh-huh. the finishers. But it's like all just a big crazy land. So I I think that because of mana bases, you can't necessarily judge by budget because it's... Yeah. Like unless it said, hey, taking already, out budget, you know. here is how much my deck... Like taking out lands, here's how much my deck is worth. Maybe you can make an mm-hmm. assumption. And, that, and that's yeah. kind of that's kind of the thing, right? Because it's what a because of it being the mana base, really. And, and this is a thing like that. Uh, I think to go in depth on this, this is really a different episode. But I mean, in short, like we we mentioned this in a in a, back on our um, I think dirt cheap mana rocks episode. But like <laughs> the the exciting plays and magic are very rarely the things that are the most expensive. The most expensive cards in this game and this hobby are things that are just resource based. And so it's tricky. Really what someone is, what I, I I don't want to like try to actually be exhaustive to make sure that I'm covering all the bases, but in a regular, normal, non pedantic, annoying kind of conversation, if someone Mm. has a deck that is very expensive, that either means that it has an optimally tuned mana base or that they are just in a general sense, very invested in this game because I, I have a deck, my most expensive deck, is a deck that I built for the show. It is my Alayla Artful Provocateur Doom Dance deck. That deck is trash garbage. It is a three, like at best, but it is also a deck that if you were to buy all of the singles from scratch, having none of them would cost you like $600. And this deck is not mm-hmm. running any fetches. It is not running any, it's running some shocks. It's not running any card that it, well, it is. That's why it's the price that it is, but it's not running like a land base or anything like that. And the cards that it have are expensive, but it's also a deck that is uh, trying to replicate the strategy of standard doom dance mm-hmm. in commander. And so it's strategy, just no matter what the budget is, it's a, it's a deck that strategy that's core engine is not very powerful. And so I think, and again, like I mentioned, I didn't want to get too deep down because it's, I can sit here and, you know, try to spitball what all of the different things that a deck's budget means, 
But in a practical sense, a budget on average will either just mean that they have an optimal mana base or that this player is very invested. Now, being invested, I think, branches into two different paths. Either they are invested and that they are a they are tuning their deck to the maximum power level it can be to be the mm-hmm. most competitive. In my experience, most players who are playing at that level in person will tell you they will be very upfront that they are playing a CEDH deck, that their deck is designed to win in the most optimal way possible, and that that's just it about it. Or a player who is invested may be more prone to build obtuse, weird, attracts a spore counter strategies. (laughs) They've been playing the game since they were a child. They just pulled alpha beta duels when they were a literal kid and still have them and so they're a bit, they're a bit more experimental there's also to the point that yeah go ahead. there's also just the third thing of just like some people only have one deck the deck <clears throat> may not even be great but it's just like yeah. it's their baby deck they've gone out they've gotten uh-huh. all the foils there are some cards where the foil is vastly more expensive than the unfoiled yep. just because of some yep. weird thing with how it was printed or like, you know, and yeah. it's just like, hey, this is a bad deck. But like in order to get the foil versions of everything, this mm-hmm. like deck that would be like maybe $120 is like upwards mm-hmm. four or five hundred. And like that's a We're, thing that just yeah. actually happens. Mm-hmm. It's just like even a shock in foil, I think, is roughly double the price of a regular shock. Land. Yeah, about like 50 or Probably. so. Yeah, yeah, it's it's and- crazy. And that's kind of the key thing, like, like for me as a player. And again, I think this there is there is an extent to which this, you know, the thing I'm going to say may not be universally applicable. But to me as a player, a deck's actual literal price, if I'm playing against it, almost is irrelevant to me. If a deck, if I'm mm. building a deck and going to buy it, its price is very important. Yeah. To me. I have to spend that money. Yes. But right. like, if I'm yeah. playing against it, it's there is such variance in what that can literally mean. It's I would if I were if I were to ask that question, which I might, if I were to ask that question, it would immediately Ooh. be followed up by other questions that were really getting to the answer I was looking for. Because mm. like it's again, because really, if I'm looking for like cards that are better that are more powerful end up being more expensive because they're more playable more people want them they're more desired and that can be what a deck's high dollar value means or this deck can be valued at fifty thousand dollars because it's all super rare miscut (laughs) cards and it's actually mechanically a pile of trash and that's kind of that's the thing where it's it's uh like in the broader scope that's a different conversation but it's also like a deck's price point if that's all you're basing like is this going to be an equal power level i don't think that's actually useful information if that's the only question you're asking it might be worthwhile to know because at the minimum i don't think it's something i would ever ask i mean another thing that i think i would never become does that i think is a net negative for the game is that (laughs) you get these like you know, I don't think anybody does do the thing of just like, oh, we're going to judge power level based on cost. Because if that was how things yeah. work, you would end up having, you know, someone would walk into the game store and they would be like, hey, I have this deck. And they'd be like, all right, show me the list. And they're like, all right, your deck is worth um, $86. You go to that table and they point at a rickety mm-hmm. old table and the lighting <laughs> in that corner of the table is different. And then you look over and there's one corner that's golden and lit up with a red rag yeah. door that says VIP. Like, what are those? And it's like, that's red the, that's the door. level tens, you know, a big old red yeah. court and they call it red rag. Red yeah. rag. 
Yeah, and there's nice. like a bouncer there because those are the thousand dollar decks. You don't get to go in there <laughs> and and setting the game yeah. literally on an axis of monetary value. It is in a sense, but mm-hmm. like to literally be like mm-hmm. that's power level would create such a big division that I think would be terrible for the game. And that's something mm-hmm. like yes, it's, it's there is um, it's it's a conversation point because to an extent it is true. If I have an unlimited mana or if I have an unlimited money budget for a deck, I can probably build a deck that will nine times out of ten build a deck that is cheaper than it. But um, uh, in fact, if you're curious about this topic in a broader sense, um, the Command Zone podcast has done a great video on the win rate of decks based on their literal price. That is very insightful. The, to summarize it, basically, there is a there is literally almost a number that they can say where it's like up to this point, it generally does help you win more games because your cards are better. But above that, yeah, there's a, not yeah, there's a there's a literal fall off point. Um, and that's kind of really the conversation there. Like it's um, it's price, I think, may be worthwhile. Again, I think, like I said earlier, it's very it's very rarely relevant when I'm looking at a deck that I'm going to play against, but very relevant on a deck that I'm going to build. There are a lot of creators who make decks on a budget specifically as a self-imposed added challenge. It restricts hmm. your card pool, but a lot. I think every single one of those creators, at least that I have been I, that I have kind of viewed and watched, has have also taken the viewpoint of they want their decks on a power level to hang with stronger decks. They want the price to be irrelevant and they build with that mindset. So a deck can be very low price wise and still just body you at a table. And so that's kind of, I think where like it's, that might be relevant if you play against a deck and you think you might want to buy that deck, you enjoyed seeing it play and you may want to know what it costs so that you can budget for that or whatever. But I do think like in the power level discussion, don't get bogged down in this thought process of a deck being more expensive means that it's across the board better because that's not always what that means. And I think when it, when it is what that means and the player is not a dirt bag, they will actually just cut to the chase and tell you that this deck is strong and it's not because of its price. It's just because of the cards in it. Hmm. Which hmm. is, I think just the way to do it overall yeah, summation yeah. Um, numbers mm-hmm. in all things are ultimately meaningless. And what is important yeah. one to $10 <laughs> useless. Yeah. One to, it's, yep. it's all unimportant. All that matters is that people know the information that is important, mm-hmm. which is just, Hey, and you know, people and I don't know if it's just a magic community thing, but more often than not, we do skew towards the negative. And so that's why I say, let them know the bad and then you can get to the good. Show mm-hmm. them the good, but let them know that the bad is still there because they're going to be expecting it anyway. Yeah. If you're going to keep right. a secret during the power level discussion, have it be the thing that is most fun. And again, you might get that wrong and that's ultimately fine unless you make a habit out of it. And then you know that it's bad and you're just being dishonest. Yeah. You're, but- you're just kind of lying to your play group saying like, <laughs> Oh, this yeah. is just uh, you know, this is just Derevi, but it's just like, um, you know, it's a fun derivative. It's a fun derivative. Oh, I think Stacks is fun. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, wouldn't you know what? I love mm-hmm. it. I love it. I love watching it. Yeah, I actually just, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and so, and that's kind of thing. When, when having the power level discussion, um, yeah, like we said, it's uh, like, like kind of Daniel really summarized really well there. Don't get bogged down in numbers, be that the price of your deck or anything like that. Just kind of feel out 
you know, either through online and, you know, engage with some contents, engage with some online communities, engage with people in a general sense, just know Mm -hmm. what problem things are and don't really be ashamed of it. Like if you like to play stacks, play stacks, people like I enjoy beating stacks decks more than I hate stacks decks. And I'm someone who does not like that strategy, but I Mm -hmm. love to God. I I really relish beating any control deck, any stacks Mm -hmm. deck. But just let me know I'm gonna if I like if I don't know you, just let me know I'm about to play that. And then we're golden. I could not care less. I will play that. I will play against that whenever. And I think most people in the community, if it's something that they really have a hard line against, people it's it's a better time to have the conversation pre-game than mid-game and that's really kind of what it all boils down to if anything's gonna be a problem address it before like emotions really get high about (laughs) the the only other quick advice that i would maybe give uh because you know it's it might be hard if you're really new to even know what the annoying things might be um if you have the time because it's just fun to watch i would say find something like game nights commander clash or commander Mm -hmm. versus and just watch one season just one yeah. season of that, and then you'll see so many different decks. It's four new decks every week, varying power mm-hmm. levels. You'll see the things that make some people upset. You'll see the things that people get really yep. excited about because they're four. Yep. There'll be four people with wildly different opinions, so you'll get kind yeah. of the idea of just like, oh, this. You'll see them in context because these are all popular content creators, and so yeah, a lot of their opinions kind of get mirrored if you don't have access to just yeah. like forums or whatever. Or that's not really like your bag, uh-huh. but it, it will give you an idea. So I would highly suggest doing that. They're fun to watch. Um, and it will, it's ultimately what made me start playing Commander in the first place is just watching the gameplay <laughs> videos and the interactions therein. So that's, that would be another big suggestion. Yep. And then Josh, yeah, I've yeah, been yeah. kicking things to you because you need to talk more. Uh, Josh, what would you say is like a good kind of bow on the whole power level thing for listeners? I, Really, definitely, I I like the suggestion of just, yeah, let them know what might bother them. Um, And I mean, I just, I don't have any experience with people who would be like, well, I mean, nothing bothered me, but like uh, the the setup, the power level seemed, eh. I don't know many people are going to be that nitpicky about, yeah, like the number specifically. Just be upfront about what might bother them. I think that's the best way to do it. I do agree. Yep. And and if it's with people that are your friends, you can do the worst thing imaginable, and it's just okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Josh. Green assault, of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm Take playing the game turns. slow as hell. I'm doing the I'm doing the worst thing I can because y'all yeah. are my friends. <laughs> all that for now <laughs> <laughs> with all that said um if you um if you found any of this advice useful uh let us know give us a rating on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on um if you have specific insights that have helped you or that you have seen be successful um with the power level discussion anything that you may either think is useful to experienced players new players whatever um leave us a comment on wherever you happen to see this we're on social media we're on instagram twitter facebook search demonstrate the loop you'll find us there um and kind of continue the conversation there it's we are only three people we have only given three opinions there's probably more out Mm -hmm. there um if you liked this or if you had if you have an episode idea that you want us to do um shoot us a dm or put it in the comments uh we're pretty diligent about checking those things um we'll probably read those and probably do that for you um and just let us know um we are demonstrate the loop everywhere but with all that said um, we have now demonstrated the loop. Josh, take it away. To the no, Josh has to do it. He doesn't talk oh, enough. Josh? Oh, that's right. oh, oh, oh. Yeah. 
We uh, have demonstrated the loop. We uh, sweep the floor and concede. Perfect. Bye. Perfect. <laughs>